Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexual immoral and adulterers. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man shall have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. We're coming at you out of the great state of Texas. Texas. And I'm your host, A.W. Varilla, and in front of me is always my co-host, Joey the Sidekick Velasquez. What's up? <laughs> and like always, the president of this place. Let's do this, everyone. Mr. Steve the Boston Hartog. <laughs> Don't you like I'm giving, we're rolling with like the mobsters, mobster names here as the our, yeah, the, the, the Jefe Dan Hartog and the, the sidekick Velasquez or Left Eye, uh, uh, yeah, those old school movies. <laughs> uh, well, thank you everybody for tuning in to the program today. Uh, we have a great podcast for you this week. On the program today, we have a second time guest, Glenn Stanton, author of the book, The Myth of a Dying Church. We did this for episode 94, but today he's going to be coming on for one of his other books, The Ring That Makes All the Difference, The Hidden Consequences of Cohabitation and the Strong Benefits of Marriage. So, man, we were going through this book and getting everything prepared to this. I didn't realize what kind of discussions that this was going to spark up here at Bridge. That's been happening like ever since like Julio left. <laughs> I know, right? And... Uh, um, I'm excited to have having him on. Uh, I, I love that he just deals with statistics, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 again, uh, Glenn works for Focus on the Family, so um, he does a lot of research on on these subjects and other subjects. But yeah, this book was just really really good going through it. Also, it was extremely convicting of me and just reminded me of my past when mm. I was cohabitating with people before I got saved. Yeah. We've had a lot of really good discussions since, uh, since bringing this book up and, mm. and just talking with people out front there. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this. It's such an issue, such a relevant issue nowadays. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the title itself is just like, you, you just read it. The ring makes all the difference or like, what is that? And then you, and then you just see the little, the little, uh, other parts to it on the bottom, the hidden cons of the coin. And you're like, wow, what's going on here? Like, and I'm sure that just brings up memory for people that maybe were experiencing the same thing. So mm -hmm. I'm excited to, to, to have, a. Uh, Glenn on again today to talk about this. So, yep, it's going to be good. Uh, so, yes, uh, again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you for tuning in, and let's introduce our guests. Let's, let's, do let's do it. Glenn Stanton is Director of Global Family Formation Studies at Focus on the Family. Glenn has worked for the past 25 years as a full-time researcher as a contributing founder of the growing movement to recover marriage as a social resource and improving the well-being of children, women, men, and communities. He debates and lectures extensively on issues of gender, sexuality, marriage, and parenting at universities and churches around the world. Welcome back, Glenn Stanton, to Bridge Radio. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you guys. You know, uh, Glenn, when we uh, when you came on for episode twenty four for myth of a myth of a dying church with your other books, 
we got such great feedback on that and just all the statistics mm. that mm, you were in your book and we were just we were just trying to promote your book like crazy and we didn't realize just how impactful that was going to be and the funny thing is as today we're going to be talking on your your other book the ring that makes all the difference um you know we're a christian bookstore and every time we're preparing for the podcast, it's just hilarious because we have these books and we're discussing what we're going to, how we're going to do this. Um, people who are coming in just see your book and then they're just like, oh, that's interesting. What is a, what, what is that about? And we're like, oh, just read closer. You know, it's the hidden uh, consequences of co- cohabitation. And everybody was just like sparking up all yeah. these different uh, conversation and just excited. And we're like, oh, I can't wait to you guys bring them, bring them on and talk about these things. Yeah, we've had a lot of really good conversations already. Yeah, so uh, well, that's great. I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate the the publicity there. You guys do a good job. Yeah, it's amazing just being at a bookstore and and just bringing on uh, the authors and so our so when we introduce uh, these guests on for, and these authors, it just becomes exciting for us because people just start buying books. And then when we have a guest on, you, we'll see the increase. So I'm sure that after this podcast, Glenn, uh, we're going to have a lot of people purchasing yeah. your book. And uh, if you don't know, we do have a worldwide audience. So um, we try to do our best to send those books out to to our listeners. So mm-hmm. why don't we get started today, Glenn, um, uh, with our first question. When do we see a dramatic increase in the cohabitation in this country and how did it start? Well, it's interesting. We've had two ages, essentially. And, you know, the first one started out of the sexual revolution of the 60s. And that was one phase. And it was a very unique phase because that phase was hippies and free love. And the statement there was really, we don't need a court to certify our love. And, you know, let's just hang out and let's let love be the bond between us. What was interesting about that was that was a guy's line, how to have a woman move in with him, um, you know, for sexual access and maybe take care of him without him having to commit. But then in the 80s, um, cohabitation really started to take off in the 80s and, you know, later in the 90s. But it started to take off um, and, and increase and elevate in its in its level for a whole different reason. It, it, you know, I tell people curiously, it wasn't an anti-marriage reason. It was oddly a pro-marriage reason. And that was so many of these kids, their parents had divorced. They had seen marriages fall apart and they are scared to death and have been scared to death that they're going to fail just like their parents do. So what they do is they cohabit and say, let's just see if we're compatible. Let's road test this thing, Mm. or let's just not make that commitment. um, So we don't mess ourselves up and mess our kids up like our parents messed us up. Mm. So it's not an anti-marriage kind of thing. It's sort of a placeholder thing or a road test thing. And it is remarkable. I mean, if you're going to put money on the fastest growing domestic formation kind of relationship, it's unfortunately cohabitation. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. I love in your book that uh, you have a graph on page 12 when you in the first chapter 
on how we see that just uh, increase uh, from the 60s to the 70s, to the 80s, to the 90s, to, to 2000, and just how rapidly that just jumped. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, again, um, uh, I appreciate the statistical facts that you give mm-hmm. um, when you've been on the show uh, last time and then again to, in your book and, and today. I'm sure we're going to hear some interesting facts as well. Yeah, so Glenn, if two people are in love with each other and committed to the relationship, why would it be necessary for them to put a ring on the finger and make it official? And I kind of want you to maybe answer this from a couple of different perspectives. Obviously, from a Christian perspective, uh, we know why, if we're going to be obedient to Scripture. But um, just from a cultural standpoint, why would it be important to... Uh, to to make that commitment publicly in a marriage ceremony? Yeah, well, first of all, it's important to, you know, from the faith perspective, from the biblical perspective, and then from the, you know, just cultural, that we must see those things as Christian as two things. God, mm. you know, did not just create these rules sort of willy-nilly out mm. of, you know, thin air. They're yeah. like— um, you know, God, as our father, our caretaker, he says, live this way hmm. and it will bring life. And so with the issue of marriage, um, when marriage falls apart, when, you know, other things contrary to what God says, um, guess what? That's going to show up in the social science research if hmm. the research is done carefully. Yeah. So here's the deal. I mean, we have this. It, it's it's such a simplistic and kind of ignorant thing that we hear today is, well, love makes a family. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's happy talk. You can believe that if you want, but if you're going to look at the best social science research, and I present a great bulk of it in my book, The Ring Makes All the Difference, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to see that quote unquote, love makes a family, that there are other things that need to go along with it. Mm. And cohabitation is in terms of outcomes, happiness, relational happiness, the kind of life it builds for the individuals down the road. It is not like marriage. Marriage provides benefits, happiness, protection, Um, all kinds of personal and community benefits that cohabitation just simply does not. And the scholars say that cohabiting couples look more like single couples in terms of all these measurements of happiness and well-being Hmm. than they do um, married couples. They say, I mean, this is interesting, that cohabitation is more a subset, if you will, of being single Um, because you just have these two people single living in the same house. But when you put a ring on it, when you're standing before a group of people promising your love and, you know, two families are joined, um, that creates a different kind of thing that is a whole class different than cohabitation. And so that's the thing. The ring is just a ring, you know, Mm -hmm. physically, materially, but it represents something huge. And it's interesting. Think about this. When we go to a wedding, and I remember when I was younger and my buddies would get married and, you know, we'd go out the night before and we'd hang out and have fun. But when they went off on their honeymoon with their wives, I would get this feeling he's a different person mm. now. Yeah. He, he's not going to be able to go off with yeah. me whenever. He yeah. belongs to her. 
cohabitation that doesn't happen <laughs> okay tommy moved in with betty gosh he's a different person no there's no change yeah right and so that gives you that picture of like no these are these are very practically very different things yeah and 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 i think that was the convicting thing in uh going through your book glenn is that before uh before i was saved uh i was cohabitating with several women times in my life and you just hit it right in the head. It was like I was I had this m- mentality of being single because I would be like, hey, I'm going out with my friends today. Like and there was no commitment that, you know, this other person might have like, what are you doing? Like we live together. Like you just can't, you know, and I'm just like, no way. Like I'm out of here. Like see you later, you know, and, and fights right? that, that, yeah. that 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 cause, yeah. you know, because I still had this single mentality, even though I was cohabitating with somebody. Yeah, it's interesting. When you look at health insurance, car insurance, um, the agent will ask you whether you're married or not. Mm. And if you go, well, I'm cohabiting, (laughs) they know the cohabiting man does not, he's not more responsible. He doesn't Mm. drive slower. He's, you know, he, the married man is a healthier, safer, tamer kind of individual. And that's why the married man gets lower rates because not because the insurance company loves weddings. Um, There is just a pragmatic cash on the barrel head difference between men who are married and not. And that's, that's exactly, I mean, you just, you just gave the picture of that. Yeah. Right. Now, Glenn, I wanted to ask you, uh, what are some of the effects that cohabitation has had on the view of marriage and having babies? You know, that, I mean, that's a very, very good question. There's not a quick answer that I have to it. Um, but in the sense of it's in, in the large, large picture, it has shown us that, um, you know, we kind of have this this negative view and, and you know properly so of single parenthood but we don't really against cohabiting parenthood you know mm-hmm. two parents in the home they're involved you know things like that but we have to know and we have to see that um kids growing up i mean I, this is the way i put it from a sociological point of view mm-hmm. if you have a neighborhood gated community say and and you know Everyone in there are cohabiting couples, and there are children in each of the homes. Those kids are not as likely to do well as the neighborhood down the street where all the couples are married. Mm. Um, You know, you think about it. If if you're a teacher and you think, you know, I just want the best kids that really want to learn and and are coming, you know, with the best positions ready to to start learning – and you could choose, you know, from cohabiting parents or married parents, um, you'd want, you know, your kids from, if you could wave a wand and make it possible, all married parents. So cohabitation um, really has falsely, but taught us, you know what, doesn't really matter if the kids' parents are married, just as long as they're there, just as long as they're um, involved. And then marriage, it really does make marriage optional that, you know, once you get married one day and you have that in your future, good for you. And that's great. But you can make do without it. And again, it's that assumption that cohabiting relationships look more like marriage than they do singleness. Hmm. Hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, as we 
in this culture that we live today in 2020, Glenn, what are the influence uh, today the cultures have on relationships? Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a great question, too. And um, I mean, I try to not just be negative, mm. um, you know, negative and positive. Let's try to see the good and the bad. Yeah. But the bad is, you know, this idea of, um, you know what, if it doesn't work, trade it in. Um, and you know, our happiness, our personal happiness is the most important thing rather than, you know what, I made this commitment and I'm going to really try to make it work and to understand, you know, if you ask couples that have been married 50 years or more, they will say, you know, the woman, the man will go, do you really think that we were just euphorically happy all these years? No, we went through dry periods. Mm. We went through times where the musician Stephen Curtis Chapman, I heard him say, there's times when I'd trade my wife for a warm diet coat. <laughs> you know? But it's, it's, it's the long game that you're committed to. And mm. cohabitation does not build that long game. Cohabitation mm. is the trap escape door, you know. And marriage is, you know what, I'm in this for the long haul. Mm. And this idea of the long haul, this commitment, um, being in a tough situation, a difficult situation and saying, you know, husband, wife, how are we going to work this out? Mm. Um, and how are we going to make this happen? And, you know, we don't really see that in, in the generations today. We find that in the older people, the mm. grandparents and great grandparents and younger generations need to go seek those people out to say, how can we succeed at marriage like you guys have? Hmm. Yeah, I was just uh, reading an article um, that I got from Leanne and Hartog, uh, Steve's wife. Uh, uh, she gave me an article on Andrew Sue P Peterson, an article she wrote back in July of 2013 called Stretchmark. Uh, here she says that unconditional, unconditional commitment creates a new reality that conditional commitment never can. Hmm. And I just find that very interesting because you need that commitment for the long haul. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I've been married four years and I've already experienced so many ups and downs, you know, in my marriage because we've, you know, we came together. I, w I was single. She was single. And, you know, I, I lived alone and. There's this whole selfishness of me that yeah. I that I have, um, and the same thing was like I said earlier when I was cohabitating with somebody, it was very much selfish. It was never, you know, it was all about me. And if you don't make me happy, this is not going to work out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's it. And you know, you talking about your marriage, it doesn't. I mean, what you're describing is a regular, everyday, day in, day out marriage. Mm. You know why? Because it involves two people. Yeah. Um, there's a theologian, Stanley Hauerwas. He teaches at Duke, and he made the statement, "We always marry the wrong person." Mm. And I love that. It's a pro provocative way <laughs> to say nobody is perfect for us. Yeah, you know, it's two human beings with their stories with their junk and marriage is the effort to try to die to ourselves but also grow in such ways where i can really love this other person well yeah i really like uh what you're talking about with regards to the 
the uh, the commitment of marriage because I think it builds constancy in society, in culture, in general. And you know, again, it just goes back to having that biblical worldview. When we live by biblical principles, it's good for everybody. You know, it's not even if you come at it from a from a non Christian perspective. Yeah. It's just good for culture in general. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's where, I mean, you can see that across the world that where Christianity goes, um, those countries are typically places where people want to live. And Mm. I mean, what you said at the beginning of that is absolutely true. There's this huge anthropological truth Mm. that a society that's not founded upon marriage, and even Aristotle said this way back when, Mm. A society that is not founded upon marriage and not even encourages marriage but requires marriage, that society cannot exist because that is the glue that holds the basic formation of relationships together. Um, It regulates sexuality. It makes sure that women are provided for, that men settle down and, and don't act like single guys. It ensures that children are connected to a larger family system, that they have their paternity established, things like that. Mm. And so, yeah, the most fundamental thing and the most important thing that every society must do is how to keep families together strong. Because if they fail at everything else or if, if they fail at that, everything else that they will do. Um, will not be able to come to full fruition. Yeah, well said. Yeah. So, Glenn, how would you respond to somebody who uh, views cohabitation as a means to test drive a marriage? Well, that is the thing, and I, I, you know, I have a chapter in the book on that, of course. And the thing is, is there seems to be a reasonableness to it. You know, if we're going to invest in something, a car, a computer, a, you know, whatever, we want to see how it works. We want to see if it's going to work for us. So many people bring that idea over into marriage. But here's the deal. Marriage and your potential spouse is not a consumer product. Mm. You know, it's, honey, I'd love to marry you, but you know what? I just want to see if you're going to work for me. (laughs) Um, It's, you know, not very women are swooned that way. But here's the thing, and and it is stunning as you look at mainstream, you know, even – you know, essentially liberal or progressive scholars who look at this kind of stuff, they find and they agree that cohabiting, and one scholar put it this way, there are few things that couples today do of their own free will, thinking that it will improve their relationship, but will actually sandbag their prospects of marriage than cohabitation. They said there's nothing that they could choose of their own free will to be more damaging to their long-term marital prospects than to choose to live together before marriage. And that is not a sermon they're preaching. Mm -hmm. They're just saying, you know what, our data shows that to be the case, that um, couples who cohabit or individuals that cohabit before marriage – have about a divorce rate increased of about 50 to 80 percent, some of the best literature says. Um, and, sorry to interrupt. Um, 
And and I think that's because cohabitation is kind of like a symptom of a deeper problem the relationship has to begin with. Um, if a couple's cohabitating and they claim to love each other, but they're scared of that commitment, I think it's because either one, the guy doesn't want to take that responsibility of having a family or just sticking to one woman, uh, or likewise, the girl doesn't want to stick to just one man. So I feel like that's already starting off on the wrong foot, and therefore that's why it leads to so many uh you know a, a higher possibility of getting divorced if you ever get married oh. no that's that's right and scholars um will talk about and you guys gave an example of this just out of your own life is the cohabiting couple because there is not that solidity um because essentially each other do not belong to one another and when i say mm. i don't mean legally but like you know what? We have a claim over each other mm. um, in that way. And, you know, for you growing up cohabiting, you're like, yeah, I'm taking off. I'm going to hang out with the guys. <laughs> yeah. And she has to learn. And, and, you know, when the tables are turned on him, she has to learn to manipulate him a little bit mm. to try to get him to do what she wants him to do. And it's not because women are manipulative. It's when you don't have an authority. I mean, I, I like to say it this way, and this is a cartoonish kind of picture, but a wife puts her hands on her hips, you know? Yeah. The, the guy is like, okay, I got the message. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going out with my buddies. Yeah. Um, or the death uh, ray look. A <laughs> woman puts her hands on her hips and like, you know what? Knock yourself out. I'll be back at 10. Um, <laughs> the woman, and this is the big, big thing. The cohabiting relationship is the relationship on the man's terms. It gives him more freedom. The marriage relationship is the woman on, is the relationship on the woman's terms. She is a more powerful agent, um, player, if you will, in the relationship when she's a wife rather than when she's just a live-in girlfriend. And chapter seven in my book um, goes into great detail about how that's the case. But yeah, that's the problem is cohabiting structures you and trains you how to interact in less healthy ways mm. than marriage does. Yeah. Wow. I, I, like I said earlier, I just I am taking myself back to that moment in time uh, where I was in, in that position and you, you, you just keep hitting it on the head, like, you know, um, so, wow. And, um, you know, uh, let, let's say a couple does decide to get married. Uh, so long as a couple doesn't have Christ, will they always miss out on the full benefits of marriage? What do you think? Well, see, that's very interesting um, because, you know what, they they don't. And this mm. is important um, because marriage – I mean I, I would argue with a guy a number of years ago. He would call um, Christian – he would call marriage a Christian institution. Mm. And I knew what he was meaning, but I would challenge him and say, you know what, no, it's not. Mm. Because if it were, it would exist only – after Pentecost, right? Yeah. And it would only exist in cultures where missionaries have gone and been mm. successful. Mm. But marriage exists in all cultures everywhere. It just does. And so, you know, it's, it's what the theologians call a common grace. Mm. Water is mm. a common grace. Yeah. Air is a common grace. 
Parenthood is a common grace. Marriage is a common grace. And so, yes, God, you know, spreads his grace all over to everybody, the contentment of marriage, the contentment of of parenthood, the contentment of family. And yes, um, Christians who live according to God's rules are, you know, tend to be happier, more secure in their relationships. But no, the happiness of family, the contentment of family um, is a universal grace that that God bestows on the world, just like he does sunlight, you know. That's interesting that you say that, because I was actually on the other side thinking that (laughs) married couples would miss out if they don't have Christ. But now that you mentioned common grace, it kind of takes me back to my what my old pastor said also which is you know marriage isn't just for christians everyone gets married um so that's interesting right yeah and he's wired that into us i mean genesis 2:18 where it says it's not good for man to be alone yeah we take that as well adam was lonely what that statement was is no we are made for others right and just like the trinity you know the mm-hmm. father for the son the mm-hmm. son for the father and then for the holy spirit is when we connect with another person there's something within us that makes us feel good wanted cared for <laughs> And that again is is just a universal grace. Yeah, and 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 again, just I know when uh, I uh, I pour myself into my wife um, and lay a lay aside my own selfishness, what that does for our relationship is always amazing. Not only for me, but for my wife, uh, and vice versa. Cause it's, you know, there's that commitment. And, and when I do do that, um, it shows her that I care. And I always find that re- remarkable cause, uh, I have to remind myself when I am being selfish, uh, and when I do just become selfless, uh, the benefits to that within a marriage and, 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 and how remarkable that is. Yeah, and see, that's a big thing. I mean, you know, 99.9% of all people will not say, you know what, I like being selfish, and I like (laughs) that I am selfish. You know, we're all selfish, but we realize, because God has just put it into us, you know what, dude, be a little more interested in other people. And when we do lay ourselves down for our spouse, for our children, for others, it it gives us a good feeling and you're like, I'm not always comfortable with that. I don't always want to do it, but you know what? It, it, it gives you a good feeling. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's being a better person that way. Yeah. Wow. Well, Glenn, um, it's time to land the plane here, <laughs> man. That went so fast. Thank you for coming yeah, on. Uh, we always give our opportunity for our guests to share the gospel, uh, to our listeners around the globe. Uh, because uh, how shall they believe in whom they have not heard, as Romans uh, ten fourteen says? So would you go ahead and please share the gospel to our listeners today? You betcha. And, and the gospel message is, I mean, the most important thing that people can hear. Yeah. All of us as human beings have this weight of sin, of doing what's wrong, um, of not pleasing God, and that lays heavy on our heart. And God is our father. We are his children. And when, like any good father, when father, you know, when their children are separated from him, he desires them 
to come back to his arms so that he can hold them, love them, care for them, protect them. And it's interesting with God the Father, he has given us his son, Jesus Christ, who has been the bridge, who is the bridge back to the Father. And all we have to do is come to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I want to love you. I want you to bring me back to our Father. And um, and he will. He will. That is a promise to every person that exists is God wants to have fellowship with you. God wants you to be his child who has come back home. And Jesus, his son, is the way that has made a way for that on the cross and through his resurrection and his life. Amen. Thank you very much for that, Glenn. Uh, for our audience, please uh, go get the book, The Ring Makes All the Difference, The Hidden Consequences of Cohabitation and the Strong Benefits of Marriage. Glenn, where can our audience find you if you want to be found? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm in a witness protection program. So, um, no, they can just look me up at Focus on the Family um, and, you know, my materials there. That's who I work for. I'm, I'm there every day. But also I have a website, glenntstanton.com, and, you know, they can see my writings there. But as anybody who writes and speaks, you just Google my name and you'll find all kinds of things, good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thank you very much, Glenn, for being on our episode today. And I hope you're able to come back. I know that you have other books that uh, uh, we were looking through. So hopefully if you, whenever you have a little time, you can come back on Bridge Radio and we can talk some oh uh, i'd some, love it awesome well thank you again thank you Wow, that was just an amazing episode. That was, that was uh, fantastic. Um, again, that the book is "The Ring Makes All the Difference" by Glenn Stanton by Moody Publisher. Uh, so please go out and get the book, as we just said earlier. Um, wh wh what did you guys think? I mean, I learned something new today. <laughs> yeah, I got you want to cool, talk about? Yeah, I got. I mean, I just got a cool new perspective on marriage, and you know how. God graciously gives us uh, all things, you know, he gives us water, food, and air, and everything, but marriage is one of those things that all of us can experience and benefit from, and, you know, even unbelievers can benefit from marriage, and so, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it's good for society in general. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> when people are married, not just living together, it's just, it's good for everybody, whether you're a Christian or not. The, the book is really, it's a hundred and let's see, 146 pages long. So it's not a very thick book, but I mean, it is full of just great information in there, especially statistics and stats. Yeah. And stats yes. So uh, please go out and get the book. If you can't find a book, come to bridge, come to bridge or uh Whoever, what, what was the deal that we want to do? Whoever reaches out to us first. Yeah, whoever whoever drops the first uh, positive review. Uh, yes, whoever drops the first positive review on Bridge um, will get this book for free 
doesn't matter where in the world you are we will ship it ship it because we have shipped some books from from here to like australia mm-hmm. new zealand i think maybe we'll i mean do it. ireland so yeah um i'm so, doing that right now <laughs> so again uh thank you everybody for listening uh and just remember that please subscribe to bridge radio and please go check us out at the website uh also uh continue to pray for the ministry for a new locale as we continue to get bigger and bigger i keep saying that but it seems like every week the bible studies the systematic theology we're running out of chairs, chairs. and room Even yeah now i'm hosting a study that's yeah. right it's getting, bigger too. it's getting bigger and again please uh pray carefully uh we'll take anything uh you guys have heard me say before we'll take a penny you know a penny adds up um and we cannot do this without you and we just want to say thank you for everybody who has contributed to bridge radio because we are extremely blessed and the things that we are doing here in south texas on the border uh uh is pretty amazing just god how he's just blessing the ministry and, and we see it and we're just trying to be humbled and faithful to preaching the truth so all right guys well that's it as we always end the show what is your only comfort in life and in death that i am not my own but belong body soul in life and in death to my faithful savior jesus christ amen bye-bye later